True devotion means imitation, by Father Daniel Couture. What determines the heavenly glory a soul would enjoy for all eternity? What are the two primary means by which grace grows in man's soul? And did Our Lady, being perfect, grow in grace and charity? How do we imitate her? All this and more is addressed by Father in this eleventh episode of the Fatima Center series. No Mary, no Jesus. I'm Father Daniel Couture. Welcome back to our ongoing series of talks on our Blessed Lady. The purpose of these talks is to not just understand the word devotion to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, but to put it into practice. We need to study Our Lady to see how we can imitate her because we need to imitate her. We are speaking of the dogma of the Immaculate Conception. We have seen in the previous talk Our Lady never committed any sin, mortal, venial, any imperfection. If we are her children, we ought to aim at becoming immaculate. I say aim, we will need her help, but that is part of that devotion, is this movement from sin or from grace to a higher degree of grace and of charity, because that's what Our Lady was and did all her life. Let us speak today of the spiritual progress of Our Lady, because spiritual life is not just grace in the soul. Grace is a queen, sanctifying grace is a queen that comes with with a whole court of virtues, the infused virtues, with the gifts of the Holy Ghost. And they help us to live according to that divine life that we have in us. We have the being and we have the act of that being. So if we are children of God, that's our nature by baptism with the grace of God, we have to act as children of God. And that is where the infused virtues come in, not just faith, hope, and charity, but also infused moral virtues and the seven gifts of the Holy Ghost, gifts which grow in us, which become more acute as we grow in charity, just like the sailboat is pushed more, with more power by the wind when all the sails are out. Let us speak about this progress of charity. Spiritual life, Christian life, is essentially a life of charity. Let me begin with the famous passage of St. Paul to the Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling symbol. And if I should have prophecy and should know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I should have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And if I should distribute all my goods to feed the poor, and if I should deliver my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Very important, therefore, to have charity, 
to progress in charity. Now, something we have to understand, just as there is divine life in the Trinity, and the Trinity is life, God has this incessant movement of life, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. When charity is in a soul, it moves as well. Life is movement. And charity seeks to grow constantly, since we will never reach the limit of the divine charity. We will always reach a certain degree of charity. We need to grow. We need to grow. The first commandment, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, all thy strength, all thy mind. That tells us that we need to constantly, constantly aim, tend towards this perfection of charity according to our duty of state. Some it will be in marriage, some it will be in a celibate life, some will be in a religious vocation, in a priesthood. But everyone, everyone must have the spirit, at least, of what is called the evangelical council. Poverty, chastity, and obedience. We have to be detached from the world and ourselves and be attached to God. We have to grow in our spiritual life. St. Paul says to the Ephesians, he speaks of the necessity to know the charity of Christ which surpasses all knowledge that you may be filled unto all the fullness of God. That you may be filled. So charity will expand the capacity of the soul to receive God more and more. Very important. There's an element of the Christian life which is desire. Charity will grow with desire. St. Thomas Aquinas has a, a masterpiece of an article in the Summa. He asked the question, do all the saints in heaven enjoy the same happiness? Do they all see God equally? It's a tricky question, like so many of the questions of St. Thomas. And he says, no, they all see God, yes, but not in the same degree. And the degree is, corresponds to what is called the light of glory. It's a special gift we will have to be able to see God. It's like looking at the sun. You need some sunglasses. So, St. Thomas says, well, the degree of the beatific vision will depend on the degree of the light of glory. And then he continues to backtrack. And the degree of the light of glory will correspond to the degree of charity at our last moment. That's the degree that will be, the degree of charity that will be crowned, that will correspond to the throne awaiting us in heaven. And that degree of charity will increase throughout the whole life by the virtue of desire. We need to desire. Remember the, the young rich man who came to see our Lord and wanted to be perfect. Our Lord said, Si vis perfectus esse. If you want to be perfect, 
It starts in the will. If you want to grow in charity, that's very, very important. So, obviously, our Blessed Lady had that tension, that, that movement of her soul always growing since we saw that there were no sins at all, even the slightest dust on her immaculate soul. Therefore, her soul was, was constantly improving, becoming better, holier. St. Paul, in the Epistle to the Hebrew, chapter 10, verse 25, he says he encouraged us to comfort one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So, normally, a normal Christian life, we should grow in charity as we're getting older, as death is coming nearer. That's very important, because grace, precisely, it is in the nature of grace and charity, which, as I say, it is the life of God in us, which is this tension, just like fire rises, well, charity rises, raises the soul. And it's normal, therefore, that the spiritual life increase, and we know this by also the diminution of sin. We know this in the soul, we see this, for us priests, we see this here in confession, regular penitence, we see them, all of a sudden the sins are spacing out. The soul was falling once a week, and now it's once a month. And so we see that grace is working. Grace is putting everything in order in the soul. And it's very important to understand that we are all called to holiness. Holiness is not just for priests and monks and nuns. Everybody is called to love God. Everybody is called, therefore, to to reach the summit of the spiritual life. You know, there is, classically speaking, the three levels of spiritual life. The purgative way, Let's say in very brief, purgative way, we're struggling with mortal sin. We go to confession, but we fall back. We, we have the desire to get out, but we're, we're really struggling. The illuminative way, which is the middle section, is there's no more mortal sins. The fight is more with the venial sin, deliberate venial sins. We live more according to the, the theological virtues and the the gifts of the Holy Ghost starting to be more active. We realize we're receiving inspiration, like somebody's talking to us to do good, to make a sacrifice, to, to recollect ourselves or to avoid a danger. There's, all of a sudden, there's, there's a greater presence. And of course, we grow from one stage to the other by prayer and sacrifice. There's always some purifications involved, sometimes pretty serious. An accident can be great sickness, can be a death, uh, of a friend, whatever. But there's a higher level. We should not be content, all of us, to stay at the illuminative way, the, the middle floor. We are called to go to the top floor, which is called the unitive way. And the top floor, there is barely a venial sin. Think of marriage. You want a couple that is married, want to be in love, wants to to be happy in marriage and, and one is always thinking of the other and, and doing good to the other. And 
Well, it should be the same with God. We don't want to offend God. Just like in a couple that is in love will try to avoid every little slight offense to, one, to the one that you love. Well, it's the same with God. It can be accident, but then immediately we wipe it off. We say sorry. And actually, often that becomes the occasion of a greater act of love, a greater act of charity. So think of Our Lady, Our Lady's soul, who was in that third level, but who was held back by nothing. There was no obstacle, there was no, no threads or no, no weight to let her climb up to, to God. She was at, at always at the, the fastest speed. She, she never slowed down, never, never, never slowed down. So, that is a feature of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. That desire to seek God's will, as he, she said at the marriage feast of Cana, whatever he says, do it. That should be our attitude as well. That was her, her soul, her heart speaking, whatever he said, because that's the way I live. Whatever he tells me, I do. So you, my children, whatever he tells you through the commandments, through the laws of the church, through our, the lawful orders of our lawful superiors, do it. So do we have that, that tension, that, that desire not just to go to heaven like on a cruising speed with hands in your pocket. Yeah, that's okay. I'm not committing any mortal sin. I'm okay. That's not good. That's not okay. That's not okay. If we are children of Mary, we need to get the fire going. And how do we, how do we make charity grow in our soul? Well, there's two means. Prayer and merits. They're the, the two great means of one's progress. First of all, let's speak of the meritorious act. A soul that is in a state of grace, a soul that is burning with the charity of God and performs a meritorious act has a right to a reward. That is a merit. A merit is a right to a reward You've done something because you were in a state of grace and because you're still alive, because in heaven we cannot merit anymore, we will have reached the goal. But while we are on earth and when we are in a state of grace, we can merit, we can earn points for heaven. Merits appeal to God's justice. Like parents telling the children, okay, if you mow the lawn, I give you five, ten dollars. The child mows the lawn, dad, I have mowed the lawn, please. And the father gives what he has promised to give because he loves his son, the son loves his father. So it's injustice. So when we, a merit is a right to a reward. And the reward here is precisely an increase of charity. We can merit increases of faith, hope and charity. We have it in one of the prayers after Pentecost. I think it's the 13th Sunday after Pentecost where in the collect of the Mass we ask, my God, please Grant us an increase of faith, hope, and charity. So the liturgy itself put these words on our lips. So, merit will obtain an increase of charity. But what if we are not very fervent the moment we make the act? For example, you go to communion, you have distractions, 
you're maybe a bit tired if it's an early mass. You've done a great act of charity, going to communion, but your mind is not all there. Your heart is not all there. Well, these merits, this increase of charity is put on reserve. Today you will make a fervent communion. You will get not just the merits of that fervent communion, but you will get the merits of other good acts that have been waiting for that greater act of charity. God is just. He sees every single effort that we make. Remember the Jews crossing the desert with Moses. There's a lot of lessons for us in the story of the the crossing of the desert. God had done so many miracles for them. They were clearly his chosen people. Now he was feeding them with the manna. And they got tired of that manna. They yearned for the, the onions of Egypt, as they call them. And Moses says, the people were complaining, our soul now loaded this very light food. We're sick of this heavenly food. Now, this can happen, that we don't want to go to Mass, or we don't feel like going to communion. When we realize you know, what the Mass is, what communion is, we should be running We should be arriving before Mass start, not at the last minute or in the middle of a sermon and leave immediately after after communion or after Mass. If we just knew the gifts of God, we would make some special effort. So, merit. If merit obtains an increase of charity and if merit sometimes is put on hold because of half-hearted acts of charity... What about Our Lady? Our Lady never had this half-hearted act of charity. And Our Lady's merit was, was extraordinary since she was the most filled with grace, the most filled with charity. She's the mother of the Sacred Heart, as we say. So her merits were always obtaining that bonus, that extra charity. And I remind you that one act of Charity of someone who, let's say, has 10 degrees of charity. One act of charity of that soul is worth more than 10 other person who will make an act of charity, but 10 person who have each one only one degree of charity. So one soul with 10 degree of charity does more to glorify God than 10 people with one degree of charity. God's mathematics are not like ours. It's, it's, it's not a question of quantity, it's a question of quality. That's why we see some saints in the history of the church, some saints who have reached higher, the highest degrees of charity centuries after their death. We still talk about them. Think of a Saint Augustine. Maybe one third of the lessons of Matins in the Divine Office are from St. Augustine. We always read St. Augustine, this extraordinary man. Of the, he died in around 435, thereabout. Or St. Dominic, St. Francis of Assisi, 800 years after their death, we still benefit from their work, from their example. Think of St. Francis Xavier over there in Asia, And I visited a village in the south of India, where a Catholic village in Tamil Nadu, where the people have been Catholic 
for the last 450 years since that priest came into that village and baptized everybody. These were the generations after generations of Catholics who kept the faith because of that one priest who came and 450 years later they were still Catholic. Extraordinary. So there are, there are souls like this that influence the whole church not just during their lifetime but long after their death. So imagine Our Lady. Our Lady who was at the top who is the Queen of all saints. Our Lady is influencing the world, the history of the world, because of her nearness to God. That's why she's the, the woman of Genesis, and she's the woman of the Apocalypse, clothed with the sun, with the twelve stars around her head. The second means to grow in charity, after the merit, is prayer. We said that merit appeals to God's justice. Prayer calls on God's mercy. That is why it is important to pray even if we have the misfortune to fall into sin. How many times we hear people saying, Oh, Father, after I committed that sin, I stopped saying my rosary. It was worthless. I'm in a state of sin, so why continue to pray? We, continue, we need to continue to pray because we can still get some help from God through God's mercy. Yes, we may have been in a state of sin, but we can cry for help. Jesus of Nazareth, have mercy on me, like the blind man. He called on our Lord. He did not see him, but he called on him. And the Sacred Heart heard this. Where is this man? And they brought him to the blind man. And so we can call on the saints, call on Our Lady, the Mother of Mercy, of course. And so, through the merits, Through prayers, our charity will grow. So imagine Our Lady's prayer. Our Lady is called by the the spiritual writers the omnipotentia suplex. The supplying omnipotence. She's almighty on the heart of God. When she was on earth, she refused nothing to God. Now that she's in heaven, God refuses nothing to her. And that is why she merited so much And that is why her prayer is so powerful. So, what is the conclusion from these consequences of the doctrine of the Immaculate Conception? Our Lady not only is without sin, but she's full of grace, full of charity, full of all the virtues at a heroic degree, and she constantly develops these virtues. Well, we should, at our level, we're not the mother, we are the children, but She wants to see us with that desire to progress, that desire to to try our best. That's what she wants. That is the true devotion. To stop committing sin or taking resolutions that will make us avoid the near occasion of sin, particularly. But also, that's not enough. It's not enough just to avoid sin. We have to grow in charity. If you want to be perfect, Jesus said. So, do we have that will to be perfect? perfect. Our Blessed Mother had that will. We are her children. She wants to see that in us as well. That is the true devotion to Mary. And we will see in the next conferences, we will see Our Lady putting that into practice in the mysteries of the Rosary. So, let us 
deepen our devotion to our Blessed Mother. Devotion not just in prayer, but of imitation. Imitation not just of the action, but the imitation of her heart. We need to imitate the Immaculate Heart of Mary. She, too, like her son, can say, I am meek and humble of heart. Learn from me that I am meek and humble of heart. Our Lady says that as well. And so, let us put ourselves at her school and imitate her with the help of God, with her intercession. O Mary, conceive without sin. Pray for us who have recourse to thee. Thank you very much. God bless. This presentation has been brought to you by the Fatima Center. Copyright 2021. All rights reserved. For more resources regarding the Catholic faith and the message of Fatima, and to support this vital apostolate with a much-needed donation, please visit our website, Fatima.org, or call us at 1-800-263-8160. So many souls need to know and love Mary, so as to truly know and love Jesus. For the glory of God and the salvation of souls, please share this talk with others. And may God reward you. Our Lady of Fatima, pray for us.